Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Two Scene Podcast. Welcome, first-time listeners, to the Two Scene Podcast, the podcast where two aspiring journalists sit down and talk baseball. I'm your host, Tyler Foy, and alongside me today, I have my wonderful co-host, Camilo Fonseca. And Camilo, with spring training getting underway, we have a couple topics that we need to talk about uh, that we didn't get to uh, due to the unfortunate circumstances of when we recorded the podcast last week. But with only two weeks left, that or two episodes left, that is going to be uploaded before the start of the season. We are going to get into our American League predictions as well in this episode, which I'm very excited um, to discuss. And before we can get into that, though, let's let's go into some free agency things that kind of popped off in the night, in the late night of when I was editing the podcast. I was asleep at that point when the uh, breaking news happened that Carlos Correa uh, is going to the Minnesota Twins in something that shocked pretty much everybody. But you know what? I think it's not a terrible decision for Carlos Correa because he's there going on a three-year deal. He didn't get the the long-term deal that he wanted. But this way, Minnesota can either build a new competitive team around him or if they get to the end of the season and they're still not looking competitive, competitive, they can just flip him at the deadline and get a ton of prospects in return. So either way, I think it's a win for Carlos Correa because he gets to um, sort of try his feet in a new market. He obviously was not happy in Houston. Uh, and it, I think it's a win for the Twins as well, even though it's something nobody expected. So, Yeah, I, I know I said at the very end of that episode that I thought there was a there's a chance that he goes back to Houston at this point because of how long the process was going out and how other places that were interested were getting filled up, right? So it kind of looked like he was going back to Houston because there was no talk about the Minnesota Twins being in on Carlos Correa. Of course, that makes their team better. But the, my favorite part about... Um, how it all played out was how the twins kind of played the Yankees in the fact that they opened up the available budget space and the position by trading Isaiah Kiner Falefa to the Yankees and Josh Donaldson, which put the Yankees at a higher payroll than they were at before. They had a shortstop that they could use with Kiner Falefa. So they were kind of out of the bidding for Carlos Correa. And then all of a sudden, Here comes Carlos Correa to Minnesota. The Yankees paid, are paying $50 million of, I think, Josh Donaldson's contract. The Yankees are paying $50 million to not have Carlos Correa on their team. It's basically what this whole thing boils down to. Well, also, the Twins got Urshela and Gary Sanchez. So, I mean, uh, despite, you know, they also gave up a catching prospect of their own. But I, I do think that... Overall, the the trade has benefited them, but we'll see when the season plays out. Maybe Carlos Correa, he took a risk. He took a risk betting on himself that he could get out of this team if he has a good year and getting back into the shortstop market. Um, but obviously, if he doesn't have a good year, he's going to stay with the team. He's going to try to improve upon that. And I like to see players take risks like that, uh, especially when they're people that I dislike. So uh Carlos Correa (laughs) yeah that will certainly be interesting to see what happens in Minnesota the rest of the year um I think it will be really interesting to see what the fallout of this is in the Yankees front office uh because it seems like they are done for the free agency period right and and another shortstop came off the board and now second baseman Trevor Story signed with the Red Sox a few days later 
uh, and, and that was very exciting for me when the news broke and I was able to kind of come to terms with the fact that we really do have this really elite infield now with Devers, Bogarts, and now Trevor Story at second base. But my one worry with this trade, and I, I've obviously Trevor Story makes the team better in every single way, is that it almost opens the door for Bogarts to leave. It almost kind of, it almost feels like we've signed a replacement for a player that I'd love to see stay. But the scenarios where he does stay, it just, it doesn't seem likely. Uh, the only way I could see it happening is if Devers moves to the DH spot, you then move um, De Bogarts to third base and hopefully sign him. Of course, he has an option, right? He can opt to come back next season, but with his value, of course, it's going to come down to loyalty, but for his value, obviously, he's going to get paid more if he does opt out. Um, so there's a good chance he does. So, But the only way I could see it really happening of this infield sticking together is if Devers leaves the infield, goes to the DH after JD leaves this season, Bogarts to third base, and Trevor Story to shortstop. But uh, I do believe that the Story signing is almost a sign that maybe Bogarts' story is over in Boston. Yeah, I think that's definitely possible. You know, like you said, I think he's somebody that come trade deadline people are going to be asking for him and he's going to be a very uh a valuable piece that if Heim Bloom wants to move him um you know it it makes sense to do so in the position that they're at i don't know if devers moves to dh just because i think that there are let's say i think there are players who are more valuable using in the dh spot um, and I don't think Devers' defense is necessarily. I, it's not. I, I think his defense is still good enough where he doesn't need to be crammed into a DH spot. If that makes sense. Right, and the 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 idea only is a factor is if Bogarts stays. Right. Because Bogarts' defensive ability at shortstop has degraded and keeps on degrading every single season from the statistics that I've looked at. Uh, he's just kind of getting worse. Um, he's had some up and downs, I guess, but he seems to be getting worse, and I'd rather have uh, Trevor Story at shortstop anyways um, and, and not at second base, but we'll see whether or not he's actually... Maybe he could be an elite second baseman, and maybe that is what suits him better, but I don't feel that that is what is necessary. But another thing that happened in free agency that night of the podcast uh, editing uh, was Kenley Jansen signed for the the Braves yeah that surprised me I thought he was coming back to Los Angeles but you know the Los Angeles got Freddie Freeman so I guess um the Atlanta front office had to take somebody back but yeah I think it's a good move I think it shores up the Braves pitching staff which was good but it certainly uh you know can use improvement in certain areas but it's certainly a positive yeah I think he's a I don't remember how long the contract was do you I couldn't tell you, honestly, but he, he's a great arm for them. Uh, it's hard to make a bullpen um, better than what they were last year because they were pretty elite. Obviously, we saw that in the postseason, uh, but Kenley Jansen obviously is a great arm, a great closer for them, and, and I, I presume he's going to be taking the closer role moving forward with the Braves. My only concern is for the Dodgers because they've lost a couple of, of 
reliever arms over the course of free agency. I know they have a very, very good rotation, but I wonder if we will see a fall off from the stuff that it was in the last couple seasons. I'm not too worried because they have so many pitchers inside of their depth uh, that I do think they can make it work. Uh, I think that a lot of players that have moved to the pen that were starters. I think that there's a lot of starting pitchers that have moved to LA and have become relievers for that pen. And I, I do think that, of course, it's going to hurt them that they're not going to have Joe Kelly and Kenley Jansen there to help them. But they still have a large arsenal of arms that they can use inside of their bullpen. And I don't believe that this is going to impact them enough to make a big difference. But yeah, that kind of sums up the bigger free agency names uh, heading into the season. And the season is going to have some changes. We've already talked about that. That was last episode's topic. Uh, one topic that we didn't get to discuss because it wasn't decided on was the Ghost Runner on second. So going into extra innings, that will be enabled. Uh, there will be a, a runner starting at second base uh, for each inning. And that passes the nine of regulation play. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts on that, but that is not what this topic of this episode's about because we are going to spend too much time talking about the Ghost Runner and not enough about these American League predictions that are so exciting. Um, every single year, we try to, everybody really just tries to figure out what the league is going to look like by the end of it. And I think we had some, or not we, but me and Nate had some pretty good takes last year that turned out well. And I'm hoping to have a similar track record now with Camilo here inside the the hot seat got and my bracket ready let's start let's go out with the al west to start with and i know one team that is not going to be competitive this year is going to be the oakland athletics they had a complete yard sale of their entire team and and their manager and their manager and i don't believe that they're going to be competitive and i don't think we have to take too much time to discuss about them but one of the teams that there's just so many questions about is the Los Angeles Angels, that to me have been a failure for the last few years, right? You've seen stars among stars among stars play for the Angels and always get let down by some form of pitching deficit. I was curious whether or not, Camilo, what you feel about the Angels this season. You know, I'm still a little pessimistic. I don't know. Obviously, Noah Syndergaard is there now. That will certainly be a help to the rotation, but I, I don't know that it is as strong as I would like it to be to say that it, it is competitive in that division. Um, obviously, Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, hopefully they can have healthy seasons. Um, I, I just don't know that... I think they still have... A, there are still a couple years off, at least one year off from being real contenders for that division championship. Yeah, I think I have a lot of questions about what their pitching staff's going to look like. I don't think it's going to hold up. Of course, we mentioned Noah Syndergaard. They also got Rafael Iglesias, uh, so they have a closer that they can rely on or that they're going to try to rely on. You know, closers or relievers can be um, very um, risky to put your money into, but as well as they have prospects like Joe Adele and Brandon Marsh that are outfield prospects. I don't exactly know where they fit in this season on this team, but they really could be difference makers on that offense. And it's an offense that, if you look at it from certain angles, should do well. Obviously, having Trout, Otani, and, and potentially Rendon back. I don't know whether or not Rendon's going to be able to run, move his legs at all. I, 
he might be the next Albert Pujols on that team, just sitting money for them uh, that they're just throwing into the fire. But they are, I think they're a middle of the pack team in this division that could potentially, if things line right, could find themselves in a wild card spot. Yeah. And I, I think that is only because, you know, I think they would be the second best team in this division if it wasn't for the Seattle Mariners who have also gone out and have made a lot of different acquisitions to make themselves a better team. I think the Seattle Mariners are the best team in that division. Um, and that's something that I guess we can get into later. But they have been in- extraordinarily active this offseason. You know, they got Adam Frazier from the Padres, uh, Jesse Winker, Eugenio Suarez, um, and obviously the reigning American League Cy Young winner in Robbie Ray. For a team that was already surprisingly competitive last year, I really think that this this season will only be improvement. Um, they were already taking Houston to the last couple games, um, and Houston has only gotten worse, and Seattle's only gotten better. So I, I'm very excited to see uh, if they can get another division title this year. Yeah, I, I think this the stars are finally aligning for Seattle. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Oh, I, I think they've done massive things, right? Of course, you mentioned all the acquisitions that they have put onto their team. Uh, my question still relies in some aspects, such as um, their, their bullpen. They did get Diego Castillo, so they do have a shutdown um, reliever. Famous Ray. F- famous Ray. But I, I don't know whether or not they're pitching, aside from Robbie Ray, and Robbie Ray is an amazing arm for them, is going to be sustainable, but their offense is looking really good this year. Only losing Kyle Seeger, um, pretty much, is is massive for this team that is looking to find success this year. And of course, they have one of the best systems. They have Julio Rodriguez that could come up. Uh, they have Kalenic, who could be a really good star for them. But I don't exactly, once again, the same thing with Brandon Marsh and Joe Adele. I don't know where these outfielders find themselves because they just acquired Jesse Winker. uh, I think he's going to do amazing for them. He's one of the best left fielders in the game at the moment. But, of course, you have to hope that these players find the same success that they did in their previous ballparks. Uh, I don't know about Eugenio Suarez being this power bat um, for this team right now. Uh, Eugenio Suarez had a t- pretty bad season last year after having two good seasons. Of course, a down year does hurt your value as a player. I don't know whether or not he's going to be falling into place here. Will he find the success? Is he Eugenio Suarez going to be better than Kyle Seeger? Uh, that kind of is led to the ask, right? This is what we're going to be looking at this season. Are the kids that is this team, this team's a very young team, are the kids ready? Are they going to be able to make that push? Of course, when we talk about Houston, they're a much more veteran team that have had the experience, have had, and they losing only Grinky and Correa, of course, long-tenured players, uh, older players are going to make a big difference inside Houston. But I wouldn't say that, of course, they only got worse, but I wouldn't say that the amount that they got worse is it's going to be difficult it's a difficult decision for this this league this division that is going to be competitive and you should keep an eye on uh, but seattle they're looking really good they're looking really good but what do you what are your thoughts on houston it's going to be a competitive division for sure um like i said i think houston has has downgraded a lot obviously losing carlos correa not to mention um all the other pieces but 
you know, they still have a good team. They still have a young team. Um, and like you said, that pitching, even without Zach Greinke, that uh, rotation still looks monster. So, right. um, you got um, Framber Valdez, who had a great postseason. Um, you have Garcia, who had a good uh, postseason. Verlander is going to be back. So you have this veteran guy to kind of lead these younger pitchers as well. I think he could be a good uh, person for advice for these um, pitchers. Lance McCullers Jr. had a great season. So their rotation actually looks pretty stacked. I don't think it's getting talked about enough uh, just because I think some other rotations are even more stacked somehow. Yeah. Um, but it seems like a mix of old and young for their starting pitching, and it could mesh together really well. Of course, still having Alex Bregman, Brantley, um, Altuve, and Yuli Gurriel is going to help that uh, offense out. Uh, Kyle Tucker and Jordan Alvarez are still really good players that don't get talked about enough on that Houston team, right? So I think that there's some aspects of Houston that are almost getting overshadowed, somehow overshadowed by Seattle's um, moves to become a more competitive team. But I still think Houston is is going to be one of the best teams in the league despite losing Carlos Correa. I can see it, yeah, for sure. I can see it going either way. Um, I just think... You know, with the way pieces stand right now, uh, I, I'm going to give it to Seattle. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see where we are at the All-Star break if that success has materialized for Seattle um, or if this is just going to be another uh, runaway Astros division like it has been in the past. Well, that team lost a shortstop, but one team gained a shortstop. The Texas Rangers, which we haven't discussed yet, gained Seager and Semyon as well as John Gray to help them um bolster their chances to get a playoff appearance will it be enough i say no (laughs) the rangers are interesting they remind me a lot of this isn't an exact parallel but they remind me a lot of the san diego padres from last season where they made a lot of moves during the offseason they brought in a lot of big names but i still don't know that they have necessarily the cohesion on that team to be a real competitor for that division uh, title. I think it's possible that they can edge into a wild card spot, especially if Houston shows real regression. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm very middle of the road on this team, like you said. No, I think that they're not going to be as great as people are maybe. I don't know if people are making them out to be good, but I don't think they're going to be good. Uh, I'm in the camp that the starting pitching still is pretty bad. John Gray was is not going to be the answer to that uh, abysmal starting pitching. The bullpen is not seeing improvements. I don't really know uh, where that's going to fall into place within the other 15, uh, 14 American League teams, whether or not they're going to have a bottom-of-the-league bullpen. I think they will. Um, Semyon and Seager, great middle infield combo. Sam Huff is a uh, great catching prospect that's going to be coming up for them this season, I presume, sometime soon. He's he's looking pretty good and his projections are great. But the rest of the team still lacks in comparison to the Angels, Seattle, and Houston. Uh, I just don't see them competing with these teams um, because I just there's just not enough there in Texas for me to believe that they are going to be good yeah i think they're certainly building something where they could be really competitive again next season or the next couple years uh but i just don't see it happening this year in arlington so before we move on to the american league central 
what is your standings this year? All right, like I said, I think Seattle is going to take the division crown um, with Houston not very far behind. Uh, Texas and Los Angeles, I think, still have a little ways to go, and obviously Oakland is at the bottom. Although, I will say that Oakland is in a position where they are really prepping themselves for the future. Um, obviously, I don't think that's going to materialize this season, but I think I, I think the future is bright, maybe not in Oakland, maybe in Las Vegas, but I think the organization should not be completely pessimistic. And for me, I have the Houston Astros, unfortunately, leading the division again. I just see, I can't see their regression being too much this season unless their stars are not playing well. And obviously, we can't predict for players to have a downfall. We can only predict for um, what we know from the previous season. Uh, Seattle, I think they did amazing this offseason. I would say the Seattle was the Padres this year rather than the Texas Rangers because I don't think Texas Rangers really brought in what what the what the Padres did last year was they brought in so many pitchers they brought you Darvish, Joe Musgrove, and another arm that I can't think of but they they brought in a bunch of players even international players and I think the Seattle Mariners are sort of resemblance of that um, while also having a young foundation already um, but. Seattle, just like how the Padres didn't win it out last season and maybe have a potential this year, um, I think Seattle doesn't find themselves at the top of the AL West. The postseason? Potentially. But the top of the AL West, I don't think so. The Angels, there's so many questions. Every single year, you go into Los Angeles Angels and you wonder whether or not this team that has a large budget or in a large market are going to find success. And I think they're just barely gonna be behind seattle with texas following them and oakland at the bottom of the barrel speaking of the bottom of the barrel a lot of these american league central teams have found themselves <laughs> there every single season nah that's not true not every season but a lot of these teams have not been successful or haven't been struggling for recent history to find success um and that's where we're going to move to next is american league central and one of the teams that is interesting as we kind of talked about but the minnesota twins have gotten carlos correa right they have this now star player byron buxton's very good baseball player he's there um and playing center field will he stay healthy who knows they they have a decent team with some pretty good prospects but i don't know if the twins did enough to make themselves competitive in the grand scheme of things, but competitive in the AO Central? Potentially, because the AO Central has always been, not always, but it has been a weak point for the past few seasons now. Where do you see the Twins? I think the, where the Twins land depends upon how much the White Sox regress from last season. The Twins, I think, far and away are the team that has shown the most improvement in the AL Central. I think it's, that's without a doubt. Um, but I don't know if they have the pieces there necessary to win another division title because let we'll get into Chicago, but I don't I don't think that they have lost enough to the point where that division becomes remotely maybe not remotely, but where it becomes competitive again. Oh, I I really like the White Sox this year. Uh, I liked them last year. 
Uh, I like them a little less this year, actually, in comparison to the rest of the American League. But in terms of the Central, I think they're the creme of the creme. You know, I, I think the White Sox here with their young stars last year getting playtime. Uh, hopefully Eloy Jimenez will have a successful season or a healthy season. I'm not wishing for his success to be MVP, but, you know, I think Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert being uh, back in the outfield, if they can stay healthy, you know, I think they have a lot of infield pieces like Yohan Mancada and Jose Abreu that have good offensive numbers as well as really young starters that were in the bullpen last year that could see some time on the mound like Michael Kopech or um, Garrett Crockett and as well as the other arms that they acquired which is for their bullpen was Joe Kelly right so you got Joe Kelly Craig Kimbrell and and Liam Hendricks the mad Australian himself Mad Max not that Mad Max different Mad Max Okay, um, a, a different Mad Max, but a mad Liam Hendricks in the back of the pen that is going to be closing out games from as well. And I, I think that this team, with their prospects now coming to fruition, uh, of course having playtime again last season, are going to really showcase why they are the best team in this division. But, of course, you have other opinions on their regression, potentially? No, I mean, I, I think you pr- said it well. I think the question is whether they can replicate their success that they had last year, which I think is definitely possible. But I'm not... Uh, this. I think this could go either way for me. I don't know if... I think it's their division to lose. Um, but, you know, we've seen stronger teams lose their divisions before. So Right. And I think the, the thing about it is the Guardians definitely regressed last season and then they didn't do anything this offseason uh of course having shane bieber and jose ramirez uh, are great players right i mean the med rosario josh naylor you have some good young players as well but the guardians i don't i don't see them even competing with that second spot unless things start lining up for them i think you get a win uh 14 games from shane bieber potentially uh maybe jose ramirez leads to some go-ahead home runs but i just don't see this team even competing for that second spot i think this team is one that had a lot of promise a couple years ago um but i don't know if that's something that they can achieve with the people that they have right now certainly not enough to contend for the division title um you know terry francona is going to be back hopefully for a full season so that will be very interesting, but I don't know that even that will be enough to to try for a wild card spot. Honestly, I I do not see much happening with uh, the Guardians this year, and I think it's very possible that come deadline day we're going to see a lot of interesting moves. Out I of think Jose Ramirez uh, could be on the move. I don't know whether or not they'd move Shane Bieber, but probably if the right circumstances came about, they would. Right. So, uh, But a, a team that did make a lot of changes, and I would argue is the most changed team, or is going to be the most changed team in this division, is going to be the Tigers. I actually kind of like the Tigers to reach that second spot here, uh, fighting for it at least, with the acquisition of uh, Javi Baez and Eduardo Rodriguez. Of course, not the big all-star names that might come to mind, and they were in com- a competition for um, Carlos Correa at one point, but 
the tires have a very interesting case where their prospects are coming up through this uh the pipeline right now as we speak riley green spencer torkelson casey mize Tarek scooball uh just to name a few i think and of akil badu last year had a great season as well i think that they might find much more success than a lot of people have them in their um division predictions i think they'll be right up there with minnesota um, it's not a team that I think can contend for, can should or should expect to uh, get a division title unless something again something precipitously wrong happens in in Chicago. But um, I think it, you're right. It is a team that has gotten a lot better and that will get a lot better um, over the course of the season. Um, like like you said, Javi Baez. Uh, they strengthen their pitching. Andrew Chafin's there now. Um, Jonathan Scope. I I I like the Tigers and I think they're going to get they're on the rebound for sure but I don't know if this year is their year yet especially with you know the resurgence in Minnesota that's happening at the same time I well, think it's going to take a Minnesota little while to also sort that lost. out Minnesota also lost Nelson Cruz their big home run bat you know and and it's got to be does Byron Buxton stay healthy uh, does Max Kepler have a good season, right? I mean, I think there's a lot of questions. They also have some pretty good prospects as well. Um, but uh, I don't think that they're going to be... Either of those teams, I don't think, are going to compete for the title of that division. And another team that I don't believe is going to be um, competing for the title of that division, but has some prospects, just like the other ones, are the Royals. We haven't talked about Kansas City yet. Uh, Kansas City must be losing their mind after they just lost Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> but, hey, the Royals, you got Bobby Witt Jr. coming up, right? Yeah, for sure. That's going to be a real addition. Uh, when he comes up, that's going to be a real addition to their lineup. Um, also, Zach Greinke signed with the Kansas City Royals. So that will the return, be the return of Grinky. a great addition to their rotation. You know, Again, I don't think that's not anywhere near enough to place them in divisional contention. I think they're either uh, bottom or close to the bottom of that division. But, you know, it's n- not all is is wrong in Kansas City. They no, do I, have I, some I agree. bright spots. And I think that they have some pretty decent starting pitching prospects like Brady Singer uh, that is going to make a decent push for them. But, yeah, no, I, I see them not finishing at the top of this division or in the top two at all i think that their years are are coming up maybe but i think what's going to be interesting is the ao central i think the ao central is going to look pretty interesting in three seasons and i it could be one of the more competitive leagues um in baseball in in three in three seasons here but we're talking about now and now it's time for us to kind of discuss what are our standings going into 2022 i have the royals finishing last uh with the guardians uh in second to last place i don't think that either of those teams are going to be competing for the top three spots and originally i was thinking that the twins were going to finish in second place but i'm going to have the twins finishing third here um of course me and nate would always joke that they should take the w out of the twins name because they don't deserve win in their name uh so i don't see them um coming 
to fruition this year. I think Carlos Correa is going to do great for their ticket sales. But aside from that, I don't expect him to be able to take this team back to a wild card opportunity. And I'm going to surprisingly say that the Detroit Tigers are going to finish second in the division with the White Sox, the strong White Sox, finishing at the top of the AL Central. Yeah, no, I think that's. I think we just have one difference. I'm going to put uh, Kansas at the bottom, then Cleveland. Um, but instead of Minnesota third, I'm going to put Detroit third. And I think Minnesota just edges them out just that little bit. Um, but like we said, I think I think those second and third place spots are, are a toss-up. Um, and the White Sox at number one, it's their division to lose. It is their division to lose. Uh, and it, it's not been a competitive division, as we mentioned, um, for a couple seasons at least. Well, the White Sox twins were pretty good, but now it definitely looks like it's going to be a runaway kind of scenario. But one league that is, or division that is not looking like a runaway division, and it's probably going to be the most interesting to watch, and maybe I'm just a little bit biased, is the American League East. Uh, every single team in that American League East, besides that, or that were competitive last year, <laughs> attempted to be better, attempted to improve. Um, and and I have a lot of opinions about uh, where this division stands. But Camila, I would like to see you start off maybe with your team, the Rays. How you feel that uh, the off season has treated them? Um, you know, I think it's been a typical raise off season, you know, where not this team is not known for big uh splashes in the free agent market. Um but what acquisitions were made, I think are are very good steps in the right direction. Corey Kluber, Brooks Raley, um you know, there was some talk about Freddie Freeman and these other these other um Jorge Soler. Um but I think if they can replicate the sort of dynamic that this team had last year and the last couple of years. I think they're in a very good spot. There are a lot of young talent on that team, and there's going to be more young talent than there was even last year. Um, so assuming a lot of these players can keep up these same performances, I think they're in a very good spot for the coming season. Obviously, that all depends on how much other teams have improved, which I'm sure we will get into. Yeah, and I think one thing that's going to hurt them the most is losing out on their ace for practically the entire season, right? You say September is when Glasnow is expected to yes. come back. So it's going to be really reliant on one thing that the Rays have done almost every single season. It surprises me every single year, and I, I'm dumbfounded by it, is the amount of pitchers that find success in Rays uniforms upon their debuts or upon their first few years at the Rays, whether or not they find success in other locations, that's not here nor there. But inside of Rays uniforms, they have had an amazing pitching factory. And now with the double Shanes, Boz and McClanahan, and Louis Patino coming up as well uh, to kind of lead the charge for the starters. Of course, their bullpen has been... It's been painful to be on the other side of for a couple years now. Losing Diego Castillo is like a little win for us, I guess, as a Red Sox fan. But the Rays pitching staff has always looked very, very good. It's always been that offense that has kind of been the aspect where you kind of question whether or not it's going to be successful. Joey Wendell out the door. He was 
pretty good for them the last couple seasons. Um, Willie Adamas was out last year already. Now you got Wander Franco, young shortstop. Will he be able to live up in his sophomore season? We know sophomore slumps are very common, um, but of course he could find a, you know a three hundred batting average season with thirty home runs. You know he's a great uh, player for them, but I do feel that it's going to be reliant on the already strong pitching staff to continue to lead themselves. Uh, into the charge of first place if they find themselves there. Right. Yeah, like you said, this this offense has struggled in the past, certainly. I mean, I, I don't think Brandon Lau, uh, with his 40 home runs, got a postseason hit, um, which was a real, real problem for the Rays um, last year. So it's really going to depend on, on, A, these veteran players and a lot of the young talent to step up. Uh, I think Wander Franco, you know... Uh, like you said, sophomore slumps are common. I think he has shown that he is uh, accustomed to the majors. I, I don't think he's he's going to have the rookie spotlights in his eyes anymore, um, which is promising. Um, you mentioned the bullpen. I think one area of concern, the only real area of concern in that pitching staff is the new CBA rule that has limited how often players are optioned uh, to and from the minors because that was something that the Rays did a lot last season and I think that was a big reason why the MLBPA pushed to limit player options to and from the minors is because the Rays were optioning their relievers especially shuttling them up and down from Durham 10 11 12 times a season so whether that relieving staff is able to cope with that will be a big thing but like you said the starting rotation is all very solid obviously the addition of Corey Kluber is going to add a veteran presence that I think a lot of people thought was lacking especially in last year's postseason so as long as a the offense can step up and that relieving situation is dealt with then I think they're in a very good spot and for me here you know I think that um we talk about the Rays having this amazing pitching depth and I as a Red Sox fan and the Red Sox in general are is almost the exact opposite of what the Rays are currently and I don't know whether the future with Heim Bloom at the wheel is going to try to turn this thing around for the Red Sox in terms of what their pitching has looked like over the last few seasons but there's so many question marks with the Red Sox this season. Uh, the same way with the options uh, that have affected you. Tanner Houck was optioned about five times last season. Uh, so we're not going to be seeing that happening. But with the signings of Michael Walker, James Paxton, and Rich Hill, we have three old pitchers, these old guys, walking into the Red Sox locker room, into the starting pitching staff, with Chris Sale that is not going to be able to pitch for the start of the season. There's a lot of question marks whether or not these old guys can get the job done. Uh, obviously, they're veteran players who have found success in the past. Well, do they find success at Fenway? That's you know, that's going to be a question that we're going to have to wonder the entire season. We have Nick Pavetta and Tanner Houck who have been great uh, as long relievers. Nick Pavetta started uh, for a long majority of last season, uh, found himself in the pen for the postseason where he had a great uh, great appearances, amazing appearances. Turner Houck has been a good three to four innings reliever. Uh, Whitlock can go three innings, can be a closer, uh, but I don't know whether or not the signing of 
uh, Matt Strom and Jake Diekman, you know, Bloom tried to address the pitching. He brought in three veterans, um, starters, two relievers, and I think that we have to rely on some of the people that also came from our organization. Um, but I don't know whether or not this pitching is going to last throughout the season. You know, Eduardo Rodriguez is out the door as well. Uh, now Nathan Eovaldi is going to be the ace once again uh, with Chris Sale being out of the start of the season. But one thing for sure is the Red Sox offense has been good and will most likely continue to find success. Yeah, especially with the addition of Trevor Story. I think that uh, that offense is very, very solid. You know, they're starting, they're thinking of putting him sixth in the order. Yeah, which is, it's uh, incredible the amount of, of talent that they have that they're able to, to work their lineup in that way. Um, like you said, I think the big question is their pitching. And it's been the big question. Right. Uh, Rich Hill and Michael Walker were with the Rays last year, so I, I am a little bit more familiar with them um, than the rest of the staff. And they were, you know, they they did show some promise, especially Michael Walker at the end of last season, but I don't know that they will be able, you know, to step up. I think, I guess, the, the plus side is that they played uh, at Fenway before. They played in Red Sox uniforms, so there's that element of familiarity there. Um, but, oh. you know, Rich Hill, is he's pushing 42 years old. So I, I don't know if he can – if it didn't work out with the Rays, who, like you said, are you know famous for sort of picking up these washed-out pitchers and, and turning them into reliable uh, uh, pieces again. I, I, I think if it didn't work out there, I would be concerned if they start relying on him to fill the role of like a Chris Sale or an Erod that they're not able to anymore. Yeah, and I think that one thing that is going to be a question mark on the offensive side, um, of course, the outfield. We don't have that, you know, a strong right field bat. We lose Hunter Renfro, replaced with Jackie Bradley Jr. Apparently, Jackie Bradley is going to be playing right field, it looks like, and Kike is going to be out in center field with Verdugo and left, and I presume, you know, they can flip-flop whenever. Um, but I look forward to hopefully Alex Verdugo having a better season. Uh, Jackie Bradley, I can already imagine, is going to be under the Mendoza line. Um, but overall, I do believe that the offense is going to have to do the heavy lifting once again, as they have had to do. And Trevor Story, yes, he is a big add to this team, improves defense. It is, it is known that Trevor Story has a big bat, but last season that big bat was not that great. So we're gonna need to see a little bit of success, uh, a little bit of a rebound. Hopefully, Fenway is a good ballpark for him. It looks like it really actually does benefit his swing, uh, the way that you know he can cater it towards the monster. Uh, like I mentioned, JD last season with the Red Sox, with uh, Bogarts on a an interesting year as well. Dever is not on a long-term deal. It's looking like this could be one of the last seasons, um, potentially second to last season. We see some of these core Red Sox players, if they don't get locked up on long-term deals, to be uh, have a chance to run for another World Series title together. Yeah, for sure. I think the um, you know the Red Sox organization is one that has a lot of depth. I think that's certainly not a concern. But the the clock is ticking with this current core, so it'll be 
um, you know, you only have a few more shots before you you're gonna have to trade them away or and bring the new guys up. Yeah, no, absolutely. But one team that is extremely young and only went on to make massive improvements this off season, potentially the best off season of any team in baseball, was the Blue Jays. This is a scary team. This is a scary team, and I am not looking forward to be playing the Blue Jays for as much of the season as we're going to. Obviously, the Blue Jays kept a lot of their core. I think they kept pretty much all of their core. They only left... uh, Robbie Ray, I believe, was the only major piece of that roster to leave. Uh, But even so, when when you lose a Cy Young winner and your rotation looks as good, if not better, than it did the year before, I think that's astonishing. Uh, Obviously, they added Kevin Gosman from the Giants. And they got in on the fire sale that Oakland was having by adding uh, third baseman Matt Chapman. So that infield especially looks very, very strong um, offensively and now defensively because of the uh, the defense that Matt Chapman provides, which we know has been somewhat of an issue with the Blue Jays in the past. I think they've really gone a long way to remedy that with Matt Chapman. Yeah, and also uh, getting Yusei Kikuchi to add on to that already uh, interesting and strong uh, pitching staff, right? You know, you have Kevin Cosman, you have Kikuchi, you have Hinju Ryu, you have um, Jose Barrios, and a lot of questions remain whether or not they also find the same success that they have had in different parts of their careers. But it's a it's a scary pitching staff. It's a scary starting starting rotation. The one thing that I would be worried about, where the Blue Jays really haven't made a ton of moves that I'm aware, is that their bullpen is. Uh, essentially I think the same as it was last season and that was a lot of the where the issue stemmed from last season is that you'd have these relievers giving up uh, late game leads Um, and that was a real problem for the Blue Jays last season I think that was a big reason why they didn't uh, get that wild card berth Um, so I I don't know I I, obviously their offense is stronger their starting rotation is stronger but it'll be interesting to see if that bullpen can step up or if it will be the same song as last year. Well, they got Kirby Yates returning uh, from the IL. Uh, so, you know, I think that Kirby Yates is going to be a good guy that close down games for them. But you're right. No, the bullpen has been an issue in Toronto. And, and I think a lot of teams that have stronger offensive do have that bullpen issue. Um, but... You know, you mentioned the late game leads that could be lost, but how about the late game leads that are going to be gained with this right. massive offense that they have? Um, of course, even at the catcher position, uh, I think they're going with Danny Jansen to start the season, but they have Alejandro Kirk and Gabriel Moreno that aren't talked about enough as probably two of the best catching prospects in baseball right now, uh, aside from Adley Rutschman. Uh, and then... Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Teoscar Hernandez always get overshadowed on this team just due to the publicity of Vladdy Guerrero Jr., uh, Kevin Biggio, and Bo Bichette, right? So I think that... And George Springer's on this team. Don't forget about George Springer on the lineup. I think it's insane from top to bottom. This team can score runs on you and and continuing going forward. And This team is going to be dangerous. This team's going to be dangerous. And I've been saying that about one team in this division that for some reason, and I might be letting my guard down, I'm not saying it this season. The New York Yankees, how dangerous are they? I think they are less competitive than they were last year, 
which is a big problem because last year they were already less competitive than they were expected to be. Um, this is a team that I don't think has made any of the offseason moves that they wanted to. A lot of the goals that they wanted, obviously Carlos Correa did not happen for them. They have filled some of the holes that they had, but they've also let a lot of pieces walk. Brett Gardner has walked. Um, that, wasn't Aaron... a, that wasn't a major piece for them, though. I don't think so. No, I don't think, but I think the I think there is a lot of sort of, there's a lack of direction in New York's front office, where I think a lot of this offseason they've been treading water. And with their lineup, I think it shows it is essentially the same as it was at the end of last season with obviously the departures of Gary Sanchez and G. Rochella, which it is a real problem when your catching situation in New York looks worse or at least more uncertain without Gary Sanchez on the team. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Uh, I think uh, that they do have a couple good catchers that are going to be behind the backstop, especially uh, Garrett Cole always pitches not to Gary Sanchez. He didn't pitch to Gary Sanchez. Garrett Cole always pitched to um, Kyle Higashioka, which yes. I think is a, I, I do rate Higashioka better than I think a lot of people do. I think he's a, a solid piece of that team, but I just, I don't know. I think they, this team only looks less fearsome than it did last year. And last year, they notoriously underperformed. Well, that's another reason why we could also be underestimating them is because last year they underperformed. But, of course, uh, the team has been injury-prone for a long time. Their offense should still be the Bronx Bombers that they were. We're going to have Joey Gallo, Stanton, and um, Judge still on this team. Gleyber Torres is a great power uh, middle infielder, whether or not he's going to be uh, uh, where he's going to be on the infield, I don't know. Uh, even LeMahieu finds success on this field. Anthony Rizzo's back. He's going to be back at first base uh, for that lefty first baseman. They did trade away Luke Voigt in the doing of so, but I think that they value the lefty bat over the righty Voigt. Uh, and, and Josh Donaldson's now here, right? The bringer of rain. So I think there's balls are going to be flying out of this ballpark. Um but on the other side of it, I don't think there's going to be a lot of runners on base to capitalize on multi-home run situations rather than just solo shots. Right. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And this is the problem the Yankees have had for years, right? Um, this is nothing new. Uh, it's just a question of, you know, is this the year that the rebound finally happens in New York? Um, and I don't know if it's that year. I Especially with the amount that other teams have improved in this division, I don't know that even a strong Yankees team would have a clear shot at taking the division title. I think at best, they go for a second or third wildcard spot. Yes, I, I agree here uh, with, with that take. You know, I think uh, we didn't we haven't mentioned their pitching, but once again, they, they kind of look the same. They've only kind of lost pieces. Um, you know, Corey Kluber had the no-hitter last year, so he yes. must have done some pretty successful things there. They're going to have Luis Severino back for a full season. Domingo Herman, who was suspended for 80 games, is going to be back. You know, of course, they have some very strong pieces in their bullpen, such as um, Aroldis Chapman. You're going to see also Nestor Cortez probably be a starting pitcher for them. And they're a strong team, and 
once again, I don't want to underestimate the Yankees because once you turn a blind eye to them, they kind of hit you in the face. But I just don't think I've seen enough from them this offseason to say that they've improved in any sort of fashion. Um, and a team that is going to finish bottom of the barrel, the Baltimore Orioles. We haven't talked about the Orioles, but is there much to be said besides Adley Rutschman is coming, maybe going to make an appearance this season? Yeah, I don't know. This is another team that really has a long ways to go before it becomes competitive again. Yeah. Um, they've been rebuilding, it seems like, perpetually. Um, and I don't know that they have taken any real big strides to rebuild in the last couple of years. You know, Adley Rutschman's obviously going to be a big addition um, to Cedric Mullins is also there, obviously. But, um, you know, in especially in an AL East that is so oh. strong, I don't think the Orioles have a chance. I don't think that's any surprise to anybody. So let's go over uh, what our standings are going to be this season. I have the Orioles finishing dead last with the Yankees in fourth place, but could really be competitive for, you know, of course we say this is going to be one of the best best divisions to look out for just because each one of these teams in the right circumstances could find themselves at the top, but it's unlikely for others such as the Yankees who I have finishing fourth, the Red Sox finishing third in the division, and then the Rays and Jays are going to be up there at the top two really competing for that division title, but I have the Rays finishing second with the Blue Jays with what they've done, what they should look like this season, should be finishing on top. You know, I actually have the exact same uh, standings as you do uh, for the same reason that you were saying. I think, you know, Baltimore's obviously on bottom. The Yankees, I don't think they have really enough to be re- displacing. I don't think they're as strong as a team as uh, either the Red Sox or the Rays, certainly not the Blue Jays. And then, you know, I, th- I really just put the Red Sox under the Rays because I think there are more questions there. Um like you said, the pitching is, is going to be something that they need to figure out. But otherwise, I think the top three teams in this division um, are very, very evenly matched. Um, and Toronto I have on top just because they're so strong on paper. But, you know, in the course of 162 games, a lot of things can change. And so realistically, I can see a lot of these top three positions being switched um but in the end i think they are for those three teams are for sure going to be making the postseason and talking about the postseason where do we see the postseason lying of course extended playoffs allow for um, more teams to be into the get into the postseason this year and i we have now a case scenario where we have uh, these really cool wild card games yeah, for sure. So, um, in, for those who don't know, we're going to have three wild card teams, and I believe the lowest ranked wild card team will be playing the lowest uh, seeded division winner, um, and then the top two division winners will be getting a bye to the second round of the division series. Um, and also interesting is the wild card games are going to be a series now of series of three games, um, all played at. Uh, one venue, so they're not going to be shuttling back and forth, which will be interesting. I don't know how a three-game wildcard series will play out, 
but some... well, we've seen it. We've seen it in. Uh, we saw it in 2020 when they had the extreme expanded playoffs in the wild card games were or the first divisional playoff games were all three game series. I have been advocating for three game wild cards um, forever. It feels like, and I'm finally happy to say that there's no more one and done wild cards. Um, but uh, who do you think? are going to find themselves in those wild card spots. Where do you think people are going to be laying out in this bracket? So I think that the lowest ranked uh, division winner is going to be the White Sox. I don't think they are as strong as Toronto or Seattle, who I have as my other two division winners. Um, And so I think they are going to be playing Houston, who I have as the lowest ranked wild card team. Uh, like I said, even though they they still have a lot of young players, they regressed from last year. So I think they will be they will edge into a wild card spot, um, and I think that they can actually take out um, Chicago to move to the division series. As for well, the they other, did it last year. They did it last year exactly. So I think I think they still have the capability to do so. Um, as for the other two wild card teams, I have a repeat of last year, uh, the Rays. Uh, and Boston uh, will be interesting to see whether they play at Fenway or at the Trop. Um, but I, I, those are the other two wildcard teams that I think will be in the mix. As for who moves on, I think the Rays, I have to say the Rays beat Boston, but I don't think the Rays beat Toronto. I think it will be competitive. I, but the way things stand on paper right now, you know, I think Toronto is the strongest team in the American League. So for my division series, I have Toronto beating Tampa and Seattle beating Houston. Um, So in a, I think, six or seven game championship series, I have Toronto taking the cake over Seattle to win an American League pennant. I think we can agree on some things inside your bracket, but uh, definitely some disagreements on, on my side. I do have the Jays also finishing with the best record in the American League. Uh, to find themselves uh, as that top dog and get that by, as well as I see the White Sox actually finishing the second best division series uh, division winner, uh, just because I think they're going to get a lot of opportunities. And of course, they have uh, changed the way the scheduling works, but I do think they're going to get a lot of easier wins uh, to kind of build up that record throughout the season, uh, rather than a competitive Houston, who will be the um, lower... Um, division winner finding themselves in those wild card games and who will Houston be playing I think the Houston Astros will be playing um, the Red Sox actually uh, as the worst uh, wild card team uh, as well as the Rays will find themselves to either face Seattle or the Angels but because I said Seattle would finish on top of the Angels I will have to say that the Rays will face Seattle Uh, who comes out on top of those series you know, I want to say, <laughs> I want to say the Red Sox beat Houston, but they haven't shown me enough that will would say that they could, and I'm only saying that because obviously not. I don't want recency bias to change how I perceive this series, uh, because I think the Red Sox really do have a chance if they were to play Houston in a three game series. If they played Houston in a three game series last year, they would have won and went to you know. The World Series, but it was a seven-game series. That's why we have it like that, right? Um, but, you know, I think the right circumstances came into play where the right pitching performances came out on top. 
But I think Houston finds themselves winning against the Red Sox in that series. Rays Seattle, that's a tough one. That's a really tough one because it's another team that is about young players that are going to be on display in a playoff scenario. The Rays have the experience. I think the Rays do beat out the Seattle Mariners, but I could see the Seattle Mariners beating out the Rays in a three-game series. It's baseball, it's sports, it could happen, but the Rays probably do beat out Seattle in that case scenario. In a series with the Jays versus the Rays, I do believe that Toronto will win that as well, uh, just on paper once again, but you know, it's postseason baseball. That's why I gotta love it. Uh, but I'm pretty confident in the Jays beating the Rays in that series, uh, as well as um, on the other side of my bracket, I'd have the White Sox facing Houston again. Uh, very boring, of course. We hate to see the same matchups, but I do think that the White Sox this time, and maybe it's just because I don't want to see Houston succeed, will make it to that championship series in which it will be the White Sox versus the Blue Jays. Uh, the two best division winners in my bracket will face off each other in the championship series in which the Blue Jays will take it in most likely a six-game series to find themselves uh, in a World Series appearance for the first time since 1993. Yeah, I think what we can agree on is certainly... Toronto's the best team in the American that League. That Toronto is the best team, on paper, the best team in the American League. Um, and it will be really, really interesting to see how far they can get this postseason, uh, given the disappointment that they had you know, last year. Um, I really think this is... Uh, uh, are, are going to be a rebound year for them. Uh, and I think Vladdy said as much that this is la last year was the, the trailer and this is the actual movie. And Vladdy lost 30 pounds in the offseason uh, and still looks bigger than he was last season in terms of just muscle size. So be scared. Mm -hmm. Be scared of Vladdy. And he's MVP candidate. But we're not going to get into our um, predictions upon the award voting until the opening day starts so we know what are the finalized uh 26-man rosters going into the season or 28-man roster sorry to start the season um, who are gonna be in those spots it wouldn't be fair if we did rookie of the year and we didn't know who was even starting the season uh and it's been a long podcast already so i think we're gonna end up this conversation here on the american league next week we'll be tackling on the national league i expect that to be a much more fun conversation in terms of um, a lot of stars that are kind of going to be on display. I think American League has been kind of heavy on um, the same teams for a while now, but the National League has a lot more um, diversity and who can really see themselves at the top and a lot more questions as well. Um, but yeah, that's going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. If you uh, enjoyed it, please follow us on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, as well as following us on Twitter to let you guys know whenever we go live at the Two Seam Pod. If you enjoyed my takes, uh, I personally make a lot of baseball jokes on Twitter, and I'm pretty active on it, uh, at Tyler underscore underscore Foy. And Camilo? Uh, if you dislike my takes, you can find me on Twitter as Tyler underscore Foy. If you like my takes, you can find me on Twitter at Fonseca, F-O-N-S-E-C-A underscore E-S-Q. And once again, we thank you for listening to this episode of the Two Scene Podcast, and we look forward to seeing you guys again on Saturday. Saturday.